Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Great to see everybody. Michiganders who are like it's snow when you just drive through it. I went to college in Oklahoma, and if like three snowflakes fell, they freaked out and didn't go anywhere. And the plow trucks didn't know how to plow. No lie, I'm driving on the expressway one time, and there's a plow truck in front of me, and he's going about 13 miles an hour. And he plows the snow, and then he lifts up that center blade and then drives over it, because he's going so slow, the snow didn't move off to the side. And he, he left this ice brick, and I hit it with my little son. I'm like, no wonder they don't do driving here. Yeah, yeah, it just, it just, it just did not go well at all, because they weren't from Michigan. This is, just, this is just like, right, it's another day in July. It's just whatever. But hey, it's great to see you guys. It really, really is. And I do want to mention something to you, and that is baptisms are coming. And if you've never been baptized, since, if you haven't been baptized since you believed is really how I'd like to put that. If you haven't been baptized since you became a Christian, this is an awesome opportunity. We'd love to have you come. And you can just text the number there on the screen. If you just put jump in as one word, we'll follow it up with this is the how, and we'd love to have you join us. And that is, of course, February. We'd love to have you February 9. But as we're talking, we're starting this series called Better, because normal isn't working. And we started this last week, and, and the finance portion of this is going to end this week. For those of you who, I do want to say hi to those who are watching online because you did not drive here. It's good, good to have you guys too. But we're continuing with this and talking about finances, and we'll wrap that up this week. And last week, we really looked a lot at what normal finances are. And normal here in the USA is carrying over $6,000 in credit card debt, over 8000 if you have kids. Normal is over 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Like their entire life is a row of dominoes, and if something happens where they miss one, it's just going to start to collapse. That, that's, that's normal. Normal is of those people in debt, almost half of them say, we'll probably be in debt forever. Like we'll never get out of this. This is just kind of like the way it is. That's normal. And, and normal is not having enough money saved that if a $1,000 expense suddenly came up, you'd have, you wouldn't be able to pay it without borrowing or lending or using a credit card or something. And that, I don't want that normal. I do not want it. And so we are talking about being, it can be better. It can be better in the area of finances. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to, we're going to kind of wrap that up. But to start it off, I thought I would tell um, a dad joke. So my joke is this, is why was the dead man not living well? Because he was dead broke. Get it? Dead, dead. Oh, they get worse. They get worse. Don't, don't worry. Actually, I have a little bit of advice for you when it comes to money. And I, I'm going to move this. I know it's a squirrel, but that thing was just right there. But anyways. All right. A little bit of advice for you when it comes to money is if you're going to borrow money, borrow from a pessimist because they probably won't expect it back anyways, right? <laughs> like if you're, if, if, if you're going to, if you're going to. And I think we'll, we'll just wrap up this really, really good advice with some Jack Handy because that's really just some great stuff. And he says this about money. He says, it's easy to sit there and say you'd like to have more money. And I guess that's what I like about it. It's easy just sitting there, rocking back and forth, wanting that money. <laughs> and that's, that's one way you could go at looking at money. Um, but here's the thing. When, when I talk about money, 
And you come to church and you're like, really, this is what they're going to talk about? That's not very spiritual. But here's what Billy Graham said. He said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and manna or God and money. And money promises would really what only God can deliver, security, value. It's these things that only can come from God. The Bible has a lot to say about money, and we're going to look at some of those things as, as, as we keep on going. And here's the thing. Money is a tool. That's what it is. It's a tool. You, you solve a problem, and you get paid. You fix a sub pump in somebody's house, and you get paid. You fix a heart pump, and you'll probably get paid a little bit more because you solved the more complex problem because it's a little more important. Although some of you, with all that rain that we had yesterday, was like, that sub pump was running. And maybe for you, you're like, I don't know which I'd have go out. But Money is, 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 is not mysterious. Money is a tool for us to use. It's not the answer. And if we look at it as the answer, that's where, again, it becomes a problem. The, God has, the Bible has a lot to say about it. And in fact, God is interested in how we handle money. This is what it says in Luke 16, 11. He says, if you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? He's like, this is just the test. He's like, this isn't the real thing. He's like, I'm watching. I want to see how you're handling what you have. And the Bible, that's what it's for, is so that we can know how to handle and what to do with these things. Psalms 119, verse 11, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it's not just this is how you go to heaven, but Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. I believe with all of my heart that if we follow God's, the, the Bible's biblical advice for money, that we will. It'll bring more joy in our life, much, much more joy in our life. Today we're going to talk, and, and when we do, when I, when I announce what we're, we're going to start talking, please don't yell, don't hoot. I know you're going to be excited. Don't jump up on your chair, on the chairs. They're not quite that strong. I put my knee through one a couple weeks ago. You're fine sitting there, but, but I did. I was, uh, just, so, so don't jump up, but we're going to talk about debt. And thank you so much for not getting too excited. I really, really appreciate that. But the Bible does talk about debt, and it's not something that any of us really get excited about. In fact, really, we get excited about something else so much that we're willing to go into debt for whatever that would be, right? But nobody really gets like, woo, just like, take out another loan. No, it's look what I got. It's look what we were able to do, or this is what happened here, this is what's going to be happening to the house, or this is what's happening. Um, but the Bible does talk about debt, and we're going to talk we're going to start right here in Proverbs 22, verse 7. This is what it says. It says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Anybody ever see that before, where somebody ends up a servant to the lender? I was doing some, some marital counseling, and this couple came in, and we were talking, and we ended up getting to money because a lot of the stress can happen in a relationship when there's money problems. And, and he began to describe what was going on, and it was really interesting because here he is, the husband had this brand new, really nice, really expensive truck. But he's not able to spend any time at home, and, and, and the reason why, and I was laugh, I almost laughed out loud. I'm really not good at some of that counseling stuff. <laughs> because it was, what was so funny was, he, he's got this really expensive truck, but he can't spend any time at home because he's working 60 and 70 hours a week to be able to make the payments on the truck. And the funny part to me, that what I thought was funny, is like, He's got this expensive truck that he has to work all these hours for 
to drive back and forth to work. He doesn't get to do anything or go anywhere except drive the expensive truck back and forth to work. And I'm just like, I find that really funny. I just wanted to laugh out loud. But you, but you can see scenarios where somebody can become a servant to the lender. And, and it, it can play lots of other ways as well. You've got a couple who says, we'd love to start a family, but we just don't see how we can financially because we have all of this hanging over our heads. Or somebody says, I'd love to go on a mission trip, but I'm one of those people that if I do miss any work, the dominoes begin to fall. I need that paycheck. How, how am I able, how am I supposed to do that? I'd love to go volunteer, but I don't, I don't have those times. And I actually cash in my vacation to be able to afford. And, and we end up a servant to the lender. Now, that being said, the Bible, when it talks about debt, it, it's usually like a negative light and it says, hey, you can become servant to the lender, but it doesn't say that debt is a sin. Debt is not wrong. It doesn't say you can never go into debt. In fact, in Deuteronomy 15, 6, it says this, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. You will rule over many, but none will rule over you. And he's talking to the nation of Israel there. And he says, you're going to be the ones lending. So the Bible does not say you can never go into debt, but it does talk about the dangers in debt. And in fact, if you look at the Old Testament and the way that debt structure was done there, you couldn't have debt for more than seven years, six years really. Now, the average car loan is over six years. And you're like... By that time, the cars broke. Anyways, you're like, what in the world? So, but they had a debt structure that God had given them. And hey, this is how you're going to forgive it. It better be paid by here because on the seventh year, this is what's going to happen. And, and it's going to be gone. So it doesn't say that you can never have debt, but it does warn against debt. For me growing up, we were taught that you never borrow money for something that depreciates. It's like a house you buy and it should be worth more. These last few years, if you bought a house a few years ago and did nothing to it, you could probably sell it for 10, 20% more today because it's something that appreciates. And if you go back a little further, you can see that, yes, they can depreciate as well. But it's an appreciating asset. It's something that's worth more, unlike a car. This is my dad. I remember my dad talking to us about, about new cars, and he's like, this is the deal. He's like, the minute you drive that new car off the lot, he's like, you're throwing money out the window. He goes, it's worth like 10% less the minute you drive off the lot. And he just drilled that in us to the point that I had a picture of literally money being thrown out the window in my mind. Like, that's what this is. He's like, that's what happens when you buy that first car. You buy that brand new car. He's like, you lose 10% that first month the minute you drive it off the lot. And then typically another 10% that first year. He's like, so let somebody else take that 20% hit and you buy one a year too old. And I'm like, yes, yeah, just sounds great. That's so smart. And then I remember he went and he bought a brand new car. And I was like, dad, remember how you told us like you buy that brand new car, it's like throwing money out the window. And he looks at me, and goes, I can afford to. And I was like, okay, I, I, guess, I guess that works. But it's something that depreciates. And that's what we were really, really taught. It's, the Bible, however, does not say that we don't, that, hey, you cannot have any debt. Again, there was a debt structure that God actually gave the Israelites. Hey, this is how it will work. It won't be over seven years. This is what it's going to be. In the new, in the, and he says, you will lend to many. You'll borrow from none. But there are warnings with it because it is so easy 
to get in debt. It's so easy. And then it's not easy to get back out at all. In fact, it's really easy. If you had just half of what the average credit card balance is, well, even less than half, just, just $3,000, and you pay that, that minimum of $50 a month on that $3,000, it'll take you over 11 years to pay it off. That's at the, that, again, that's the average percentage, which is 167 It'll take you over 11 years, and you'll pay over $3,000 in interest, 55% in interest on that $3,000. It's easy to get in. It's so easy to get in. But when it's for something that you, and this would be my, and this is, I'm going I'm to just give you my opinion. When it's, and here's how it works. When it's the Bible, I'm just going to tell you, hey, this is what the Bible says. You need to do it. When it's my opinion, you can do whatever you want with it. it it's it's worth the price of admission, which was free. So that's just it. It's just, just my opinion. But here's my opinion. You be very careful. And we were taught to never borrow for something that depreciates. You pay cash for things that depreciate. And if you're going to borrow, you be careful, but you borrow for things that appreciate or become more about. That's my opinion. But the Bible warns about debt and says, be careful. Don't become a servant to the lender. And, and Becca talked a little bit earlier about, we want to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. And the last thing I think any of us want is for God to lay something on our heart for us to do, but we're like, I've got this financial mess. I can't go do the thing that God's laid on my heart to do. I want to volunteer one day a week. I want to go be a part of the Dream Center downtown. I want to be a part of loving. I want to go do this, but I can't afford it. I want to go on that missions trip. We want to start a family. We would love to be able to give, and we'd love to be able to support what's happening over here, but we can't because we're so strapped. Money is a tool. It's not the answer. It's a tool. It's definitely not the answer. Years ago, there was a, a couple we were doing some, some counseling with, and they were, they were talking, I remember really, really clearly, because they were crying about money. Well, she was really, really crying, and he was just more like, uh. and, and again, I just about laughed because I knew how much they made. They're like, this is how much we're making. It's just not enough, and we just, we cannot get by. And when they told me, I was just like, and I held in the laughter. I was really good this time. I held it in because I'm like, I've got two kids. I make less than you. You don't have any children, and you make more than I do, and you're like, complaining about how it's not enough. And I'm like, I've been to your house. Like, you have things I'd love to have, but I know I can't afford it. And, and, and we had some conversation. We talked with them and we're like, hey, it's, it's not a money problem. It's not. It's a spending problem. It doesn't matter how much you get. And I was really, really... This, this is just me and probably why you will never come to me for counseling. But it's like, here it is. This is the problem. You just need to fix it. Like, you just need to stop spending. And I looked at her. I'm like, it's probably you, isn't it? And she's like, yes, it is. But it was on sale. I'm like, no, you don't save anything. You're spending. I'm like, do you understand what saving is? Savings means you have it for later. Spending means it's gone. Do you want it or not want it? She's like, well, I want it. I'm like, well, then don't spend it. But anyway, it's, it's, money's a tool. And so often we think, well, if I had more, that would just take care of it. But the truth is, the way we handle what we have is the way we handle what we get. So right where you are, begin to say, okay, I want to, 
wherever you are, say, I'm going to begin to do finances God's way. I'm going to do it God's way. If you're like, you know what, I've got a clean slate and, and there's really not a lot on it, awesome. Decide right now. Say, God, I'm going to honor you with my finances. I'm going to do finances your way. Maybe get part of the Dave Ramsey group that's going to be coming in the next small group thing and get some ideas from that and say, hey, that's really good. Get some strategies for your savings. Get some strategies around your giving. The Bible says that a generous people, they make plans to be generous. So add that in there. Be like, I'm going to be generous, and this is going to be what I'm going to do. There's people in this room that I know that do this, that they walk around with extra money in their pocket. They walk around with an extra hundred just with the idea of I'm going to give it away, and who am I going to give it away to? But make, make plans to be generous. Be like, I'm going to be. I'm going to look for opportunities to be generous. Because when we look for things, it's amazing how we suddenly see things that we didn't see before. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced this with a car. We did. We, we had our third kid coming, and we were like, well, we, we need a different car. And so I began to look around for, for something different. We had an Xterra. It was a five-seater. You couldn't even fit three car seats in the back. I tried. I really, really tried. And I was like, I could bolt. Like, the one car seat has, like, a, a, a base. I'm like, I could bolt the base in the back, and we could still have this car, and you could just, like, tat, it'd, be just, it'd be more secure than a seatbelt. And Becca was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, but is it legal? Because if it is, I want to do it. Anyways, but we're like, okay, we need a different car. And I was like, okay, we're going to get something different. And so I'm like, well, I know exactly what we need. Pickups really have a lot of room in the back, and you can fit three car seats, and this would just be great. So I begin looking, and then I find this deal, and I'm like, well, this meets all of our needs, so this is what we're going to do. And I ended up with a minivan, and it was this maroon weird off-color minivan. And I remember I, I, we, we bought the thing, and I bring it home, and Beck's like, great, it's a car. And I'm like, it's an ugly minivan, but whatever. But here's the thing. I'd never seen one of those cars before until I bought one. And then, I don't know what happened. I don't know if everybody else got bit by the same bug, but all of a sudden, I'm looking around, I'm like, there's one, and there's one, and there's another one in the church parking lot that looks just like mine, and my kids have gone into it like four times now. And there's another one over there, and there's a business that uses one as a courtesy vehicle. I don't know why anybody would, but okay, and then there's this, and there's this. They were everywhere. And do you think that, like, everybody really did get bit with the exact same bug at the same time? Or were they there the whole time, and I just didn't see it? And here's the thing. When we make plans to be generous, suddenly we see opportunities that were there the whole time, but we just didn't see it. So make a plan to be generous. Have that in there. Or maybe you look at your finances and you're like, they're kind of a mess. Well, start today. Start today and say, okay, God, I'm going to do something about it. And instead of just rocking back and forth and wanting that money, just decide I'm going to do something about it. And here's what it says in Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Decide. Today, you, God, you can cause all things to work for good. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to submit to your will for my finances today. I'm going to begin that right now, wherever you are. Today, I'm going to do it. doesn't matter what I did yesterday. I'm going to begin today. And here's what happens. You will get the best possible results you can from where you are, wherever you are. But it starts with, okay, this is what I'm going to begin to do. I'm going to begin to do that right now. So debt, the Bible warns against it. 
My opinion, don't borrow for stuff that depreciates. But then there's another area that the Bible is really clear when it comes to debt, and that's co-signing. And Proverbs 22, 26 says this, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. It says, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from underneath you. Proverbs 17, 18 says, a man devoid of understanding shakes hands and pledge and becomes surety for his friends. This is one of those things where my parents were really clear. I mean, I had a friend, uh, it is birthday, and his parents gave him a car, and I thought that was really cool. But actually what they did is they made like the first couple payments on the car, and they co-signed, and they kind of gave it to him. And I was like, that's really weird. And I was talking to my dad about it, and he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll never do that. He goes, I will never co-sign. Don't even ask. He's like, it's just, it's not happening. And I was like, really? He's like, yep, won't do it. He goes, the Bible says this. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But I think most of us in here can think of a situation where somebody did co-sign, and it didn't turn out so well. Because here's the thing. Think about this with me. If somebody needs a co-signer, it means that the bank or the institution that's lending them the money looks at them and goes, they probably won't pay it back. So they need somebody else to pay so you're basically saying the people who make their living knowing whether they're going to get paid back or not say you won't pay them back. Yeah, I'll pay it back for you. It's not an emergency. It's like it will, it will probably happen. It's more than likely going to happen that you're going to have to pay. But here's, the, here's what's being violated. Here's the biblical principle that's being violated anytime you do this. You become responsible for something that you don't have authority over. You have responsibility but no authority. You don't get to say what, I don't get to say what Joe does with his money, but I'm responsible if he doesn't pay something, if I co-sign for him. That, that, the Bible's like, don't do that. Don't do it. Oh, but I told my kids I would. Well, now you know what the Bible says, and so you can say God's word is more important, and you can tell him I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, like, don't. The Bible is really clear on this one. Do not do it. Well, what if you already did? First of all, I'm sorry. Should have come to church more. <laughs> Second, Proverbs 6.1. Here's what it says. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have been trapped yourself by an agreement, you're caught by what you said, then follow my advice. Save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Again, that's that you are responsible for something you don't have authority over. It says, now swallow your pride. Go and beg to be removed, your name to be erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. He's like, do it and do it now. Do it fast. Do it right now. Do what you can to get off. Now that gazelle escaping from the hunter, that, that speaks to me because I'm a hunter. Like I, I see that. And this year, I was, I was hunting, and a doe comes by, and I'm like, she, she had a little bit of a limp, and I'm like, ah, oh, she's not the biggest thing, but she's got a limp. I'm like, I'm going to take her out. I'm gonna, I'll take care of this for her. And uh, so I'm like, okay, so she comes by, and, and I'm waiting, and I'm like, okay. And I draw back, and I've got a bow. And I draw back, and I shoot. 
And when I shoot, she doesn't die. And I'm like, wait a second. I usually don't miss. I'm usually, I'm usually a pretty good shot. But here's what happened. She ducked my arrow. I mean, she was standing there. I shot, and she dropped down. My arrow went over top of her back, and she got back up. And then she just walked around. And you're like, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. You want to know how I'm sure? Because it didn't bother her that I shot at her at all because she stayed around. But also, she had just a little bit of a haircut on her back. Just a little bit of, I was like, I was really, really close. And I say that to one to say I, I, I missed and I don't like that. But also, think how fast that deer was moving. And it says, free yourself like a gazelle or like a deer from the hand of the hunter. How fast, how quick that deer just dropped and took off to get out of the way. And the Bible, when talking about cosine, it says, do what you can as fast as you can. Don't go to sleep. It says, don't wait, don't delay. Go to that person. Go to that. Hey, can I get off? Has their credit improved? Is there something where I can be taken from this? where I can get off of here? What do we need to do? Is there an amount that needs to be hit of value over what was borrowed so that I can be off of this? And I, I know many families and relationships, and every time I've seen this principle violated where somebody's done that, it has not gone well. It has not gone well. And so-and-so signs, and they're like, well, this will just, we're just going to help you, and I know you're going to be able to, and then, and then it doesn't work out, and then this person's like, well, you signed, and I didn't tell you to sign, and really, you know, I guess you did, but you knew what you were getting into, and they're letting them pay, and they're not even paying what they could pay, and it just gets like, ugh. Maybe you've heard this before, but how to lose a friend? If you want to get rid of somebody, loan them some money. Right? Someone's body, just loan them some money. If that doesn't work, loan them some more. They'll disappear. It'll never come back. It's like how to get rid of people. And, and signing, co-signing, the Bible is so clear, don't do it. And the next thing we're going to talk about is saving money. Because Deuteronomy 28.8 says this, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Now, some of us have barns. Some of us don't. But most of us have a bank account. Right? That would be my barn. That's where I keep. I'm not a farmer. That's where I keep my increase. And the Bible says, God will bless your barns. But here's the deal. If you don't have a barn, can God bless it? No. No. Be a saver. And here's what it says in Proverbs 13, 11. Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Little by little makes it grow. Now, we like things fast. We like things microwave. We like it right now. It's, it's instant. If that little spinning wheel comes up on Netflix, it's like, wait a second, what happened? Why is this not working? And I'm diagnosing something on my internet or who's on here and his priorities. Like, like, I want it now. We're at that point where we're like, oh, 30 seconds. I have to wait. How long? Like, really? We, we like it right now. But saving... When we keep this right now mentality, we look at what we have and we think it'll never be enough. Do I really need to save it? It's really not that much. And I was reading over a study that kind of came from Dave Ramsey and some of these guys where they, they sent out a survey to 10,000 um, people who were worth a million, net worth of a million or more to 10,000 of these guys. 
these girls, whoever they are, and they say, hey, answer some questions. And there were some interesting things in there. And one of the things that they found in that study was this. One of the things that they found was that one-third of them, well, even before I get to that, was the average amount of time that it took these people before they hit that $1 million net worth was 28 years of working. Not 28 years of age, but 28 years of working and saving. I said, the majority of them did not get an inheritance. Only less than like 10% was anything having to do with an inheritance. It was work. It took them over 28 years. And it just makes me think of that verse. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Don't wait for, oh, I'll start saving when this big thing happens, when this, no, 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 right here, right now. I'm going to begin to save. I'm going to begin to do things. They said one-third of the people, one-third of those 10,000 never made a six-figure income in a single year. It wasn't giant incomes that did this. Made me think of a guy that Becca and I know in Montana who he's never made a $50,000 salary in his life, but he's worth well over a million dollars, quite a bit more. Now, he is a, he's, he's an interesting one, okay? He's single, and he is like a, the, the thriftiest person, it's beyond thrift, that I've ever met in my life. He doesn't like to drive to the post office, the two miles, because he doesn't like to spend the gas that it takes to go. So he, he typically walks. He has two, he has a Volkswagen Beetle, it's, that's the car that he bought, and he still has it. He has one he uses for parts, and then he has the one that he drives, and he rarely actually drives it. Um, he also has a little, like, dirt bike that he uses to kind of get around, and that's what you, if you see him driving, that's part of his job, is they put the gas in it. So he, and everybody knows that he drives that most places instead of his car, and he lives in the same house that he has for a very long time. In fact, it's the same house that he bought from the Sears catalog and that got delivered on the railroad, and he took it off and put it together, and that's where he lives. And uh, He's a super saver. But here's the thing I want to say in that, and my goal is not, I don't, my hope is not, oh, wow, that you die with a ton of money. That's, that's not my hope at all. But my hope is that you see money as a tool, that you don't see it as magical, that you don't see it as something mysterious, that you say it's a tool that comes from solving problems and I can use it, and that you choose to use it to be a blessing to those around you, that you choose to be strategic. But if we've misused it or aren't using it correctly, it sets us up for years and decades of not being able to do the things that we really, really want to do, to give, to invest, to be able to support missions and all the things that we want to do. We want to do so many of those. So decide, I'm going to do this and start right now. Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Because here's, here's the end goal of this. Matthew 25, 34 says this. Then the king, this is talking about when after the rapture, when we're all standing before God. And he says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in your home. In your home. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And those on his right will say, Lord, when did we see you? 
When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked or in prison? When did we see you in need? When did we see all of this? And verse 40, he says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth, whenever you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Today's goal is is not that you would sit on a lot of cash, but that you would see it as a tool. And a tool that doesn't just affect today, but it can affect tomorrow, and it can affect the eternities of people. And you decide, God, I'm going to handle this well. I'm going to see it as a tool, not the answer. And I'm going to leverage this tool to build your kingdom. I'm not going to seek after my own in this, but I'm going to recognize money for what it is. It's not my God. You are. There's only one place that God wants in your life, and that's to be first. And that you'd use money as a tool, and you would use it to be a blessing to those that are around you. That you would handle your finances in a way that you have margin, that's not stressful, that you feel like, God, I can do what you've called me to do. That you pray about what you're doing with your finances. And that you see money can be spiritual, and our attitudes towards money can be spiritually too, spiritual too. And you use that money to make a difference in the world around you. That you send the gospel to places that you will never, ever be. But you have a part in what happens there because you support the work that's happening there. That hands that you may never touch or shake or food that you may never pass out, but you become a part of it through your giving and through what you are able to do as a result. That's my, that's my hope. That you see money as a tool and you leverage it for the kingdom of God. As we're about to close, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to make sure that every single person in here knows beyond a shadow of a doubt where they stand with God. I just read from Matthew where it was talking about what God is going to say. When we stand before God, what he's going to say to those who've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But right before that, It says what he's going to say to those who have not done that, who haven't made Jesus the Lord of their life. He's going to say, depart from me, for I know you not. He says, throw them out where there's weeping and where there's gnashing of teeth. And he's talking about hell. Heaven and hell are real. And one day, hopefully a long time from now, when you die or when Jesus comes back, we're all going to stand before him. And you don't have to wait until then and wonder, well, we'll see what happens. The Bible says we can know that we have salvation because Jesus came and he died on the cross so that we could be free. He paid the price that we could never pay. He did what you and I were unable to do because he came and lived a sinless, perfect life and then shed his blood for you and for me. And he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. It's not something we wait and find out. We can know today. If you want to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, where you stand with God, I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you said, there was a time I was living for God, but I turned my back on him. And I've been doing my own thing. But today I want to come back. I want to declare I'm his again. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right there in your seat. You don't need to get up. We're going to pray. When we say amen, you're going to know right where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and the purpose that God has for you. So if that's you, either of those, with every head bowed, you're going to be bold. And one, two, three, shoot your hand up high. Hold it up high and say, that's me. Today's the day. I'm going to make that change. Okay. 
Would you repeat after me? And you who lifted your hands, would you repeat for me? And as you say these words, make these your own. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. Devil, you lost me. And from now on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.